Russia. Russia. Russland. Russia. Privet and hello to the Why Russia podcast. In this podcast, we ask foreigners who live in Russia one simple question. Why Russia? Today, we are joined by Richard Metzger. He's an American living in the Russian South for many years already. So Richard, before I ask my questions, maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit and you can tell the audience how you ended up in the Russian South. I'm from San Diego, California, and I was educated in Ireland. I traveled a lot around Latin America, but about 10 years ago, I was in a pub in Dublin. And sure enough, I saw two beautiful girls and we started talking, we became friends. And one of these ladies, her name is Natasha, she invited me to come to Russia in Siberia, Nabakan, Akasia. So when I was there, I fell in love with this country and I decided to stay. So you came to Siberia in the beginning and how did you end up in the Russian South? Was it too cold for you to live in Siberia or why did you go down to Sochi? Minus 38. It's not for me. I lived in some cold places like Ireland gets cold, of course, and Minnesota gets very cold as well. But I'm not a fan of such cold. So I needed a warm climate, you know, Sochi, Sochi, California, California. I'm from California. So it was comfortable. When I came here, I just knew this was where I want to be. So now you told us already that the weather played a big part in your decision to move to Sochi. What other things do you like about living in Sochi, California? How does it differentiate from other parts of Russia? I think most Southern places in the world, they have a little more slower pace, a little more relaxed, more chill. And I like that, of course. Of course, there's a climate, but I just feel that the South, of course, here it's very touristy. So in the summertime, it's there's usually a lot of traffic with tourism around here, which is interesting. But I kind of like the low season when there's almost nobody by the sea and you can walk by the sea and there's nobody around you. I love that. So Sochi has uh, its high peaks with a lot of traffic and then a long, slow season. So I suppose it's just a nice place to live. So maybe you can tell the audience some like insider tips if they go down to the south, if they go down to Sochi. What should they check out there? Maybe you can tell us like some bars, maybe some food places. What is going on in Sochi at the moment? If you come here in the wintertime, you have to go to Cross Palana. It's where they have the snowing and the snowboarding. And it's very beautiful in the summertime as well. Adler, which is a bit closer to the Abkhazia border. They have some nice places. The sea or the water there is much more clean, allegedly. In Sochi proper itself, If you're going to go to any pub, you got to go to Dublin pub. It's my friend's pub, but that's not why it's the best pub. It actually is the best pub. They have Guinness. And then right now with the circumstances, I think a lot of places don't have Guinness. So if you like Guinness, it's an actual Irish pub and the service is great. Of course, there's other, there's lots of karaoke and clubs and nightlife. I'm kind of an older guy now, so I don't go to these kind of places anymore. There's parks, there's lots of stuff to see. So. When you come to Sochi, I suggest you go to the beach, check yourself into or rent an apartment is better, in my opinion, but or a hotel, do what you got to do. And this kind of walk around and find a nice place that you, what's good for you. It depends if you're here with family. It depends if you're here as a single man or a woman and your age, of course. So I think this part of Russia has something for everybody. 
So there is plenty to see. And when you compare the cost of living of Sochi with, for example, Moscow, or you lived also in Siberia, if you compare the cost with the Siberian cities, is it much more expensive? Compared to Moscow or probably about the same. So it's what they say when it comes to property, location, location, location. So if you want to be by the sea, you're going to pay for the sea prices, right? Coastal prices. So it is what it is. But compared to Siberia, like I remember when I was living in Abakan, I had this incredible penthouse suite on the top floor. It was a hundred meters long or big, right? So it had two stories to it. And my neighbors hated me because we had too many parties there. I had DJs coming on the weekend and like 40 people paying entrance like a club. <laughs> so my neighbors, they weren't too fond of me, but the price of this giant, beautiful apartment was 35,000 rubles, I think, which is not bad at all. 35,000 rubles in Sochi, you're not going to get such a nice place to rent. Probably. You might be able to find something that depends where in the Sochi area you, area you are, of course. But normal standard rate for a nice, let's say, one bedroom apartment, you're going to be looking at, in my opinion, 60 plus minimum. 80 is a nicer number. So it depends on what you're looking for and what comforts you want to have. But I think you probably understand modern European home and or I'm from the States, so American home. You want to have your modern comforts of life and clean and something like this. Yeah, it's a little bit expensive, but it is what it is, right? I love this area. Like right now, how was the temperature where you are in Moscow? In Moscow today, I guess it's minus 10, something like that. But it feels always colder than they write on the app. It's always minus 10 and then it feels like minus 22 or something like that. But you're here. Yeah, it's a difference of 20 degrees, basically. This is the beauty of living in such a big country when you have the possibility of experiencing like minus 50 in Siberia and at the same time, it's like minus 15 in the South. This is incredible. And yeah. when you compare the price for real estate or generally the cost of living between the United States and Russia, how does it compare? That's a hard question to answer because the States is very big as well. And it really depends where you're living in the States. And again, I think everyone, no matter where you are, you can find a very expensive place and a very cheap place. And it all depends on what kind of level of comfort you're going to be and your surrounding environment. So if you're in the hood or the ghetto or something like this, you're going to, in any country, you're going to have that low rent, but also high risk maybe, or less comfort. California is expensive, but again, California is a big place. It depends where you are. I'm from San Diego. So San Diego is expensive, but you can find cheaper places to live. But who are your neighbors going to be? Maybe they're not going to be people you would like to be your neighbors. So it's all about location and I guess what you're looking for. Just like a lot of people are leaving California in the States to go to Texas or other parts of the country because they have much lower rent and they have a higher salary. I can't really compare apples and oranges. It depends on where your skill level is. Do you have to, are you a single person or do you have a family to, to, to provide for? What is your circumstances and what can you do? I guess that's the most honest answer I can give about that, you know? Mm. But speaking about Siberia, even though it's quite cold in the winter and quite hot in the summer, I got to say the people there are beautiful. 
I think there's something about, what do they say? Cold hands, warm heart. So Siberia's got that. Yeah, I only watched yesterday a movie about Siberia. It's a new movie that was only released. It's called Chicago and it's about a small town in Siberia. It's very interesting. Oh. And they show the beauty of Siberia. And I was quite stunned. It's in the like southern parts of Siberia, Krasnoyarsk area. And I was thinking, mm. man, I got to go to Siberia. Maybe in the summer, it's better than in the winter. Let's go back some years ago. When you first arrived to Russia, you were coming from San Diego, sunny San Diego, and you were ending up in Siberia in minus, I don't know, like how many degrees it was. How was your first impression? When I first flew into Russia, you know, now I can speak some Russian, even though it's quite poor. I'm not going to say I'm a, a master of the language. Unfortunately, that's something I need to improve on. But I can understand. I can read. I can speak. When I first came here, I knew three or five phrases. And that was my go-to for about two years. Just those five phrases. It was a culture shock. I wanted to absorb the mentality. And like when you first listen to acrylic, as a Trevor Noah, the comedian said, it, it's like listening to English backwards, right? <laughs> so, and I think it's a beautiful language. Don't get me wrong, but it is a new sound for your ears. And still I have some difficulty with some what sounds like this kind of thing, right? There's a lot of differences and nuances to the culture. And of course, it has a rich history. And to understand people's mentality and their soul. My first impression when I flew over Abakan, Acacia, I saw this beautiful nature around. It's like snowy landscapes. It looked like something from a film. And then going to the city, I got there in late October. So it was starting to get cold. But I was welcomed very warmly by a welcome committee. And they gave me some vodka and <laughs> ikra, the caviar, at the airport there. So that was lovely. You know, I can say about Russia, which might be strange for people listening, is that even though the world is the world and politics of the world are politics of the world, and we won't talk about that, but despite all of that, I, in my eight plus years in Russia, I have almost never experienced any kind of negativity because I'm from America. People have always been welcoming and opening their homes and interested to hear my perspective, my story. And I always found that Russian people have a very big, beautiful soul. And most importantly about that is, it's a stereotype, of course, but people are very direct and honest. So whether if they like you, you will know they like you and you know it's true. And if they don't like you and don't want to talk to you, they'll let you know that too, but that's good. It's better that than the mask in my opinion. So those are my first impressions of Russia. Very interesting for a German coming to Russia also. It's quite common to be shocked a little bit by how honest people are, right? But I can only imagine how it must be for a guy from San Diego because there everybody is friendly, chit-chat and so on. And then you come to Siberia. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the Siberian cities. What kind of cities would you recommend for people who want to experience real Siberia? Is it Novosibirsk, is it Omsk, is it Krasnoyarsk? What kind of places would you recommend for people to go to? I lived in Abakan, which is a very small city, which in my opinion, for a Western person, a Westerner coming to Russia for the first time, most people usually go straight to Moscow or St. Petersburg. And I get it. There are beautiful cities and there's a lot there to see. Sure. But I would suggest people go to Siberia first. And the reason for that is 
don't go to Sochi first, even though I love Sochi. But it's too comfortable. <laughs> I, there's a lot of English around me and it's sunny. When you go to Siberia, outside of the stop sign, ironically, it says stop, which I always find strange. But <laughs> you, you're not going to have a lot of English around you, if any. And you're going to be in the heart or soul of this country. And it allows you to experience the soul of it more clean or clearly. Uh, so I had been to Omsk. It's a lovely city. I've been to Krasnyarsk and Novosibirsk, Abakan, I said, and Baikal. Not a city, but a beautiful place when I was there. So where to visit? In the summertime in Siberia, you have to go to Shushin Square. It's a music festival. And the place is old Gulag where Lenin stayed mm. before the revolution. But now there's a huge music festival there every summer. And it's very cool. It's very interesting. A lot of international acts and it's just a lot of good emotion. If you like festivals, of course. This time of year, we have Malsanitsa, which is like a pancake holiday, I guess we call it in English. Mm. And it's connected to the summer solstice and winter and all this kind of stuff. Um, they have this act, this celeb festival celebration in Shushan Square as well, where they burn a straw woman. <laughs> and I always looked in and go, huh, I'm sure once upon a time, I've asked and no one has told me that I'm right, but I think going back 2000 years ago in pagan times, that probably was a person they're sacrificing to the gods or whatever, but that's my imagination only speaking. But as far as places to see, I liked Abakan very much because I like small cities. I don't like big, busy places, but Novosibirsk is the capital of huh, Siberia, if, you, if I can say that, or the center of Siberia. Maybe that's controversial. I'm sure people in Krasnodarsk are like, hey, what's... <laughs> but they're both lovely cities. Krasnodarsk and Novosibirsk, they're both nice. They're big and everything modern is there. And Omsk is very nice. It has like a moat island in the middle of the city. That's cool. But I don't know. If, I think when you go to Siberia, whoever you are, first, please write one of us so we can direct you and maybe introduce some people. But also just be open to, and go for the adventure and try to meet good people. One good suggestion would be go to some of the English speaking schools or clubs, and then you can network and meet people that know your language. That might be helpful. And they can introduce you to their friends or couch surfing is another good way to meet people. I've done it a couple of times, but it's not really my thing. People are very kind and they open up their homes and they're interested in your story. So there's lots of ways now. I feel we're very lucky because even you and I were talking online and that's incredible. I'm old school. I remember back in the day when I was traveling around Europe and I had to have a language book and a map. We didn't have the smartphone, so maybe I'm too old, but it's great that we can have networking like this immediately. So there's a lot of opportunity if you have the adventurous spirit. I think Siberia will be a great experience. And then more importantly, when you finally do go to Moscow, you appreciate it more. You mentioned that there are quite a lot of foreigners in Sochi at the moment. You hear English language apparently on the streets quite a lot. Are there now many foreigners from places like India, from countries like that, or are there still many Westerners? Because of course, everybody knows there are now sanctions. Etc. It's quite difficult to now travel to Russia. Uh, the banking cards are not working, etc. But it's interesting for me. Are there many foreigners still in Sochi at the moment? 
I heard that because I did a commercial for some company where I was the face and I was doing blah, blah, blah in this commercial. And they were looking for native speakers to do it because they're going to make this commercial in Dubai or something to advertise their, their product. And they're looking for native speakers. Two came up, <laughs> me and one other guy. So at the moment, there is not a lot of native speaking Westerners, at least not that I'm aware of. I personally don't go out looking for them either, but he was searching through his contacts and I guess they found two people. Honestly, I don't think there are so many. I hope I can help to change that actually, because I don't know if I mentioned to you earlier, I have a project here in Russia. So I'm a private English tutor, but I have a project where we're making a show with a producer and director and writer and all this kind of stuff. And the show is called Russian Rich. Now, the reason to be clear, my name is Richard. The reason for the name of the show is not rich Russian people. That's not something I'm interested in, but when I was in last time in America, they called me, my friends call me uh, shout out to Drew and Chris, but my friends call me double R Russian rich because mm -hmm. I'm always like, I love Russia. I love Russia. They're like, okay, you're double R. So I thought that's a good name for the show. And the idea is to promote Russia, but a different style, but same idea, promote Russia, promote the culture, promote the people, show this with the real soul, Wh whoever you are. It's, I love this country so much, not because of, of like, I'm Catholic. I'm not Pravoslavnia. I'm not Russian Orthodox. This the people. That's the role glue for me. I love the people. They're a soul. People are people. You have good and bad everywhere. But there's something when I first came here that I felt I was home. About many native speakers or people from India. I've honestly feel there was more during the winter or the Sochi Olympics. And the World Cup that was here going back a couple of years, the place was crazy with people going through. But I think it's a pendulum. The pendulum goes like this. So give it a couple of years. I think tourism will come back, of course. And I hope you, your part, will do something to encourage that. And I hope I as well. Because just like when I lived in Ireland, when I was a young lad, I did my high school university there. I was there in the late 90s, in the early 2000s. When I first moved there, they had the Omo bombing, which was the mm -hmm. end of that whole period of that horrible conflict between those people. But my father and I, we spent a lot of time in the north of Ireland, in Belfast, working. And they still have this road that's divided by Protestants and Catholics or loyalists and Republicans. But people in Belfast, they're always so happy and welcoming because especially when they know you're from a different place, that you weren't afraid to come visit them. And I think that's going to be the same for people. When you finally do come to Russia, you're going to be welcomed and embraced and people are interested or happy that you are, are afraid or something like, oh, Rose, oh. no, come. Everything is good. It's safe. And I've traveled a lot and I love Latin America. My mother's Mexican. Mexico is a dangerous place. <laughs> <laughs> I am more safe here <laughs> than in Mexico. Which I love Mexico. I love my family, Mexico, Tijuana. Hello to all my family. Russia is a good place. Yeah, you know what's so funny? A lot of people in Germany, after they finish their school, their high school, they always go traveling and they say, I don't want to travel like to the former Soviet Union. I don't want to travel to Russia. It's too dangerous. I'm going to go straight to Latin America. I'm going to go straight to Colombia or someplace like that. There are like millions of Germans traveling to Colombia. And I'm always telling them, if you can go to Colombia, Russia will be like a, a walk in the park for you because 
And the crime level here is probably way lower than in Colombia. Yeah. So this is very interesting. You talked about the Russian language a little bit, and you told us also that you're yourself a language teacher for English. So now it's interesting. Is there a high demand of Russians who want to learn English? Did the demand change now with the sanctions, with the bad geopolitical situation? And also, how do you learn Russian? First of all, about demand for English, I think there is absolutely a demand for English because it's the international language. And it will be the international language until Chinese becomes international. <laughs> Or Russian, maybe. Who knows, right? I don't know the future. I don't have a crystal ball. But I used to work with schools. And so I had that, those networking through different companies like that. But I think people in any country are all, there's always going to, you're always going to find people that are interested in bettering themselves that want something more. And English is because it's an international language, it's a great opportunity to open up different opportunities and network and meet different people in the world. Because whether they're Italian or French or from wherever they're from, Japanese, you can speak this language like you and I at the moment. Because I don't know any German. I apologize. But your name sounds last, quite German, right? Richard Metzger? Metzger. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. Richard Butcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In German, Metzger is Butcher. Yeah. <laughs> I have met lots of great people here. Or their parents are amazing. Great parents. And they want their children to have this language to open up opportunities for them. It all depends on the person. There's some people who are just happy doing the routine and going to the bar and going to the club. And as we get older, for example, it's often said that we can remember our childhood, that childhood summer and it went on forever. But now when we have a summer, it's boom, it's gone, boom, it's gone. Next year it's gone, one year it's gone. So when you learn a language or any new skill, it helps to slow down time. Because we're learning new things. Because now we're in a habit. We're doing the same projects and people and things. So language is one way to slow down time and to grow as a person. So there are lots of people in Russia that want that for themselves, like in any country, right? As far as me learning Russian, if people are kind to me, <laughs> they say I speak great Russian. When people are more honest with me, they tell me my Russian is terrible. And I think they're both correct. My first two years, I was just a sponge. I was SpongeBob. I was just absorbing, right? Absorbing the culture and absorbing the mentality, the festivals, the holidays, everything. And then on my third year, I start to hear the language, but it wasn't like this alien language. It became like, oh, I hear a construction. I haven't mastered it, but I can see some logic in there, you know? So then I learned the alphabet, first of all. And then you just listen to people, you watch some films. And I haven't studied Russian properly. All my Russian I can speak is only through living here for eight years and picking up words and phrases over that time. However, I do plan to actually sit down and study the language finally starting this summer because I want to say more. And share more ideas and more complicated things than just about basic conversation. But it's, it is a difficult language. I'd say compared to Spanish, it's much more difficult. English is difficult. Russian is difficult. It's a little more difficult, I'd say, because they have a different style of structure where the verb and noun can go. They have more freedom with that. And also, unlike English, like Spanish, you have masculine, feminine, And so the verbs and nouns can be divided into different ways, which 
is interesting. It's a beautiful language when you take away the Hollywood stereotype of like, I will destroy you, this kind of mm -hmm. thing. When you have this listen to real people talking or the poetry of Pushkin or whatever it may be, it's absolutely beautiful. Any culture with an ancient language, I think is beautiful. Well, you can maybe tell us for the last question already, what do you think are some common misconceptions about the Russian people and also about Russian culture? Whenever you watch a Hollywood movie, all the men are gangsters, right? John Wick or The Equalizer or whatever movie it is. And even my friends and I, we sometimes we joke when we try to take a group photo and everyone's having a good time. We're smiling. We go, no, 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 no. Russian smile. Real. And then as soon as the picture's taken, we start laughing because it's not real. But in the picture, we're like, <laughs> even the strong Mujik was like a strong, hard, tough guy, I guess, with translation. Even the strong Mujiks that I know who are in Russia, they have big souls and they like to laugh. And that, because we're people, we're all just people. Another stereotype of Hollywood, unfortunately, is that all the Russian women are either prostitutes or victims. And I see in the films. And at least I don't know these kind of people, right? Of course, every country has such people. But as far as I have met, is there's a lot of very intelligent and business-minded girls that are trying to do whatever business they're trying to do, whether it's clothing or fashion or as an economist or whatever they're doing. But there's lots of normal, good people. Even the people that are a little more rough around the edges, they're lovely. I think... I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have dedicated my life to be in this country if I felt that unsafe or something like, I'm not a, I'm not a sadomasochist. I don't want abuse. So I honestly, I have great happiness and love in this country. And I really hope to do something positive with the Russian people, whether it's just as an English teacher or something to promote this culture, but Russian people are great. Yeah, Richard, thank you very much for taking the time today, for sharing your perspective as an American who lived in Siberia and then moved to Sochifornia in the end. Thank you very much for your time. And maybe in the future, we can again record an episode about your life in Russia. Thanks. That's it, brother. Thank you. After listening to the conversation so far, maybe now you're interested in moving to Russia. Or maybe you even have some questions regarding a visa for the Russian Federation. If this is the case, I can wholeheartedly recommend the team of movingtorussia.ru. They have answers regarding all the matters of relocating to Russia. To remind you once again, it is called movingtorussia.ru. 